Episode 55 of the Online Chicken School Podcast. Today we're going to share seven tips for buying chickens from an online hatchery. It's time for the Online Chicken School Podcast. Whether you've been keeping chickens for years or you're just fixing to get started, we'll help you get your schooling. And now, here's the chicken tenders, Don and Susie. Hello, I'm Don, the big chicken tender. And I'm Susie, the little chicken tender. If you're interested in backyard chickens, you're in the right place. It doesn't matter if you have a whole lot of chickens out in the country or just a few somewhere in the city. This is where we share our knowledge, experience, and opinions to help you get the most out of your backyard flock. All right, well, we managed to survive Thanksgiving weekend. Yes, we did. I hope everybody had a wonderful Thanksgiving like we did. We had probably the most unique Thanksgiving we've had in more than a decade. Right. Yeah. Don's parents weren't available. Mine were out of the country. So we had Thanksgiving Day all to ourselves. That has never happened since we've been married. 13 years, never once has that happened. I got to tell you, I'd like to make that the tradition because we didn't sit there and have a big turkey dinner for two. Uh, We pretty much worked all day outside, trimmed some trees. It was a gorgeous day and then celebrated with some taco dip and pigs in a blanket. Yeah. And I know you say, well, you're working outside all day. Why is that a good Thanksgiving? But, you know, it had been so warm and so hot. And besides the heat is just humid, Mm. which just makes you feel disgusting to be outside all day. Right. And then we had this delicious little cold snap come through. So it was just nice to be able to be outside and you're working out there and it felt, it just felt good because the temperature was so nice. It was a nice little breeze and the first time in months that it's been pleasant to be outside working all day and you're surrounded by the dogs and the chickens and it just feels right. Mm-hmm. So a lot of work done on that day. That was, was really good. Um Then we did see my family on, what day was it now? I'm losing track, on Saturday, and then your parents on Sunday. So it was was a nice spread out family weekend. Well, I think that was part of the thing, because it's not that we're anti-family. We love hanging out with the family on the holidays. But it's always this thing that, you know, you never have Wednesday off. You always have Thursday off, and that's Thanksgiving Day. Mm -hmm. So what happens is you're just, you, you get off work Wednesday night, And then you're in a rush to get everything ready for family in two different locations. And it's just this juggling act. And you go into your four-day weekend with just unbelievable chaos. Right. And all you're thinking about is all the other stuff I got to get done. And and you never get to relax till Sunday. Mm -hmm, Absolutely. But this, it was, you know, we got a lot of work done on Thursday and we enjoyed being outside. And so it just felt good. You started the the four-day weekend off just feeling relaxed instead of feeling chaotic. Well, another thing that sort of turned out nice that I wasn't expecting was that Gordo actually had a pretty easy time with his uh, surgery. Right. He had his little snip snip surgery on Tuesday, the Tuesday before Thanksgiving. And we planned it that way so that he could be home recovering while we're home instead of having him in a crate all day while we're at work. And I got to tell you, it's been the smoothest after surgery week so far that we've had with any of our dogs that have gone through this. Right. And the surprise with me was he is not an inside dog. 
He has spent his entire life living outside. Mm-hmm. And so he's not used to being inside at all. And I was a little nervous about how he's going to make that transition. But he acts like he's lived for a decade inside. He just no accidents, no yeah. mistakes, not even a desire to get up on the sofa. Right. I mean, he has not been potty trained. And what's amazing to me is that he has not gone to the bathroom in the house at all. Now, we did crate him in the evening. Well, not evening, but before we go to bed, we'd put him in the crate. He would be in there all night long and nothing. So it's been, honestly, a real pleasure. And uh, he is in the recording room with us, and he's been so wonderful and sweet. And he's just laying between the two of us, just enjoying our company, I guess. (laughs) He's been like that this whole time. So Gordo is our special guest today, joining us in the studio. Well, one thing I would really recommend i wasn't too sure how this was going to work out but i would recommend it to anybody who's going to go through the you know getting the puppy fixed routine and the most traumatic i think for me is the cone situation the cone of shame yeah because i mean he's just sort of figuring out how to walk around in general (laughs) and then you put this giant plastic cone which quadruples the width of his head yeah And he looks like some Frankenstein hybrid of a dog and a desk lamp. (laughs) And everywhere he goes, doesn't matter whether it's inside or outside, they smash that cone onto everything they come across. Mm -hmm. Including my shins and the back of my legs and every doorway. And they can't drink out of their bowl because they're trying to get the cone around it. It's horrible. Yeah. Even outside, I remember with Sadie and Shep both. Even running outside, it'd be fine moving and get a, a good speed going there. And then all of a sudden, they'd dip their head down a little bit and catch the bottom lip and stick into the ground like a lawn dart. And it comes <laughs> screeching to a halt. It's just, it just awkward. Right. It makes the whole situation a lot worse for them, I think. But luckily, you found an alternative to that. Yeah, I did. I'd always heard about those inflatable just neck collars that are supposed to keep them from chewing on their incision. And it just goes around their neck, doesn't stick up around their face, doesn't affect their peripheral vision at all. And I wanted to believe it would work. You know, it wasn't that expensive. I think it was 20 bucks on Amazon. Uh, And you put it around their neck and you blow it up. Now, there are some people that say their dog's legs are too long and they can reach their incision mark. Every dog is going to be different. Yeah, like you said, it's maybe not a fit for every dog, but you know, the nice thing about Amazon is you order it, you have it shipped, and give it a try. You'll know if it's not working in the first day. Mm -hmm. And if it doesn't work, you can just ship it back to Amazon. They have really good policies for that. Right. You can always find the plastic cone anywhere local. Right. You go to any pet store, they have them. Sure. So it's not like you're going to, oh my gosh, now what am I going to do for the next three days (laughs) until it comes in? I, I thought it was great. And not only that... You know, he didn't mind wearing it. Every time you go to put him on him, he didn't fight and struggle. And it's like, you know, to me, instead of looking like the doggy desk lamp, (laughs) it was like, hey, I'm going to go on a river cruise. Right. It was like a little life jacket for his neck. (laughs) Yeah. He come trotting around the corner. Ahoy, matey. And he wouldn't bang into the doorways. He would just kind of bounce off if he accidentally got a little too close. It was great. Yeah. So that worked out really well. I'm glad you found that. Yeah, and he even used it that one night when we had it on. Remember, we we woke up and we checked on him, and it almost looked like he was using it as a pillow oh, right, while yeah. he was sleeping. So, multi-uses, it's wonderful. Uh, one other little update 
right before we came in to do the podcast, we were out moving the chickens. Mm-hmm. And you let out General So and his ladies. Right. And you noticed he was walking a little funny. Yeah, I noticed he was kind of hobbling a little bit. And then I noticed one of the hens was pecking at his leg. You know, that's a big warning sign when a hen is pecking at a rooster. Right, yeah. <laughs> so I went over there and, and called him over. And he's so docile, he comes over. Grabbed him and I could see his one spur had somehow fallen off maybe it had gotten so long or maybe banged it against something i don't know how it came off but it came off so there was only a little stub and it was bleeding and as everybody knows with chickens blood is bad i mean they will cannibalize each other when they see blood i mean i think he was even pecking at it himself anyway you managed to scoop him up and uh, just put a little blood stop powder on him mm-hmm. fortunately we had that handy yep we also sprayed it with blue coat so that it would cover the color of the red, which is very helpful. And of course, that blue coat gets all over us. It doesn't matter if there's not a breeze around. You spray that stuff and your hands turn purple. It's so funny. Now, why do they call it blue coat when it's purple? I don't know. But you can always tell somebody that has animals, uh, like you're walking around <laughs> tractor supply and you see someone's got some purple on their arm. You're like, oh, got some animals that are sick. <laughs> So we were just really glad to have the chicken first aid kit handy. Mm -hmm. Made real quick work of uh, patching up General So and putting them back in business. Yeah, it was a crisis averted, I think, because first, if we hadn't noticed it, uh, it could have gone a whole nother day while we were at work. And who knows what would have happened by then with the girls, you know, pecking at them. So I I think it was a, a real blessing that we were able to actually even spot it. And now, the news, news, news. Okay, we only have one news item for today, but I think it's going to need just a little bit of a setup. Mm -hmm. Go ahead. If you're a regular listener to the show, you know that quite often we talk about the quality of life that chickens experience when they work for big egg Mm -hmm. or they work for big meat. Right. (laughs) And how it's not quite as uh, robust a lifestyle as the chickens that work on a farm. Right. The way chickens are raised by what's really the egg factory, you know, it's not a farm, it's a factory. Mm -hmm. And the factory farming methods are just not great for the animals that are involved. No, pretty much miserable existence. And, you know, just because you're going to eat an animal at some point... Does it mean that it has to suffer in the eight weeks, 16 weeks, six months, or a year that it's waiting to get to that point? Mm-hmm. That's just one of our little personal values. Right. The problem is it can be really difficult if you're not raising your own animals to sort of figure out, well, which ones do I buy in the store that sort of support that value system that I have? And- Honestly, looking at labels doesn't help one bit. You know, if you're going to buy eggs and you see, oh, cage-free eggs, that must mean that they're humanely treated and I'm going to feel good about that purchase. I'm going to pay twice as much, but I, I feel good that the animals had a great life. And then you come to find out that doesn't mean anything. Well, you're right. And, you know, one of the problems is we say, 
you know, I don't know how to solve this problem, so why don't we just let the government solve that for us? Mm-hmm. Let them work it all out, make sure the animals are, are all treated humanely, and then, you know, I don't have to get involved with that stuff. The problem is, the government just really isn't set up to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't want to do a lecture on that, because that'll take three <laughs> podcast episodes. You'll go on a little rant, and uh, that'll be what the show's about for the rest of the time. We'll be here three days from now, still yeah. recording. But the thing is, you know, if you look at the labels that are on the eggs, that was the government's solution to help people identify food products that come from animals that were treated a little more humanely. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you look at the label, for instance, of free-range eggs, and you think, oh, these came for free-range chickens, so in my head, I'm picturing the rolling grassy hills, and there's some nice music playing off to the side, and the chickens are frolicking and eating bugs and all that stuff, and we just know that's not the case. Well, especially if they're raised in Florida, because we have no hills. (laughs) Well, that's true. Yeah, it would be flatlands. That's right. (laughs) Anyway, the biggest hill we have in Florida is this red ant pile in my backyard. (laughs) Got plenty of those. The reality is that the government allows the manufacturers to label things in a way that's still very misleading. Mm -hmm. So what are you supposed to do? You can't go out and visit all the manufacturing plants and say, hey, I want to see how the chickens are being treated today so I know (laughs) whether to buy your product or not. So, you know, for me, my answer is always let the marketplace handle the situation. Mm-hmm. We created the factory farms by demanding that they crank out a whole lot of food. And I want to make sure the eggs are still 99 cents a dozen. Mm-hmm. I want to make sure chicken meat's only a couple bucks a pound. We demanded the system that created this. Right. And the only way you're going to fix that is by changing the demand. If people are demanding meat that comes from animals that are treated more humanely, then guess what? Someone, it might not be big egg and it might not be big meat as we know it now, but someone is going to step up to the plate and say, I will take that challenge. The reason we're talking about this today is there is a new online resource you can use to look at different brands, look at different retailers, and sort of see where they rate against each other in terms of how humanely animals are treated before they become processed and end up in your grocery store. So this website is still in beta mode, so it doesn't have every egg producer and meat producer in there. But if you go to buyingpoultry.com, you can actually enter your local grocery store chain or even the name of an egg company that you've been using, and they gave it a letter grade. Well, what I like about this website is it's not just here's the letter grades, this one got an A and, you know, I think they go from A plus to F. Mm-hmm. But it's not just, hey, this one got an A, but you can click on it and find out why it got an A. You know, they'll say, here are the reasons that this one gets an A as opposed to if you find another one and they get a B. It's not just, hey, take our word for it. Wink, wink. Mm-hmm. You know, like how, you know how some of those consumer websites, by the way, Gordo is like licking my leg. That's really distracting. <laughs> Good boy. <laughs> that is really weird. You know, you go to some of those consumer-oriented websites, and there's no explanation of why. It seems really arbitrary, and so it ends up feeling to me like, oh, this one gets an A because they pay for the upgraded package to Mm -hmm. help consumers figure out what they need most. You know, it's like, yeah, they spent the most money on your website, therefore they get the highest rating. And that does happen. I mean, in the company I work for, it's it's a known thing that... 
two or three of the major companies, you pay a little more and you get a better rating. So right. it's hard to trust these things. Now they do actually physically verify all of these, which I guess is why it's taking them so long. I mean, they've had to go to 3000 different places already. Right. But I like that someone actually physically goes to these farms and says, show me your operation and then I'm gonna grade you. Absolutely, and if you look at their list of what makes it humane in their eyes, mm-hmm. you know, they're very reasonable things. You know, sometimes it's like, well, you know, we'll give you an A. We just want to make sure you didn't kill any birds in the making of that meat. Yeah. Okay, that's a little impossible. <laughs> right. But, you know, some of their criteria, I, I think, are pretty spot on. They're the same kind of things that, that I like as a backyard chicken raiser. Mm-hmm. Their biggest criteria is that they want to see that the birds spend most of their time outdoors. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not crammed inside a warehouse somewhere. They spend time outdoors. They're actually on grass. They have access to bugs and the the weeds and flowers and all the things they like to eat. Mm -hmm. They can scratch around. They can dust bathe. They have plenty of room to do all those things. They can fly and they can form their little chicken clicks. And they can (laughs) have, you know, just do all the things that chickens are really supposed to do. As well as lay eggs. And lay eggs if they have time. (laughs) Between that busy social calendar, you know, (laughs) who knows? (laughs) I wish Bernice would stop uh, gossiping over there and get back over here and lay an egg. That's right. Now, in the news article that we found, it said what anybody that's ever raised chickens knows already, that, hey, raising animals this way is more expensive. (laughs) And if you're going to buy products that you can feel good about, you are going to have to be willing to pay a little bit more. And the article says up to three times as much as what they've seen. Well, that's right. You know, we started this off by talking about, you know, here's our values and this is the way we want to see chickens raised. You know, you'll hear a lot of people say that, but unfortunately, some of those people don't want to put their money where their mouth is. Mm-hmm. You know, they say, hey, you need to treat those chickens more fairly. And you say, no problem. I just need to charge you more money. Whoa, 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 wait a minute. No, that money doesn't come from me. Uh, either just cover that yourself or you take that from my neighbor, you take it from somebody else. Mm-hmm. But let's face it, here's a reality of life. If you value something, it's going to cost you something to put those values into place. Right. Absolutely. So I think this is definitely something that's worth looking at. Several times when we were going through the website, it asks for your opinion. You know, like if there's anything that we could do to make the website better because they're still in beta mode, they're looking for input. So now is a great time to go on and kind of give them your feedback. And we're going to go ahead and put the link in the show notes and you'll be able to find it at onlinechickenschool.com slash the number 55. Now, I do want to have one little disclaimer on this whole thing because this website is put together by an advocacy group called Farm Forward. Now, I tried to do a little research and I tried to find out, well, who is this group and where are they from? Kind of weird because I can't find any information on them anywhere. Right. Yeah. I mean, the only information you found was from their own website. Yeah, so I really don't know who they are. I'm hoping their only angle is that, you know, they're just kind of anti-factory farming and they're pro-natural farming and they want to put information in the hand of consumers, you know, but there are some organizations out there that kind of have an agenda and are sometimes a little sneaky about how they implement that agenda. Right, like uh, we don't ever want anyone to eat any animal ever 
So we're going to make it seem like all these things are going on and exaggerate things to cause everyone to be vegetarians. Now, that ain't ever going to happen for you. <laughs> yeah, there's nothing you can do to convince me. We will raise every animal that you like before <laughs> before that would happen. But So we don't know if this group is like that or not. From their website, it does not seem like they are, but we did just want to throw in that little disclaimer. But check it out for yourself, buyingpoultry.com, see what you think, and... Uh you know, if you find out something we don't know, you can always bounce us an email. Okay, I do have to say one funny little thing here before we uh, move on to the main feature. We had just been bragging at the beginning of this episode about how good Gordo was, and he's just so well-behaved in the house. And while we're recording, all of a sudden Don says, I can't hear anything. Yeah, basically the setup here is that Susie and I are sitting at a desk. We each have a microphone in front of us. We're each wearing headphones so that we can hear what's going into the microphone. And Gordo's sitting between us, and all of a sudden I can't hear anything anymore. I'm like, wait a minute, something just went wrong. And it's because Gordo had chewed through his headphone cord. (laughs) Yeah, so much for being a permanent guest on the show. (laughs) You just lost that. That's right. All right, well, now that we're past Thanksgiving, we are clearly in holiday season here. So, while you're making out that list of friends and family to buy gifts for, make sure you don't forget your good friends, Don and Susie. Now, we aren't asking you to buy us any presents, but before you go to Amazon to buy stuff for everyone else, go to our website first at onlinechickenschool.com and click on the Amazon link over there. And as always, it's going to take you to the same Amazon site you know and love, and you're going to pay exactly the same price for the things you buy, but Amazon gives us a little bit of a commission and that helps us pay the podcasting bills. Sure does. And beyond that, it's really the best way to show Don and Susie some holiday love. There they go again. More shameless self-promotion. All right, well, speaking of holidays, springtime is probably the farthest thing from your mind right now. Yeah, especially if you've got snow on the ground. And if you're planning on starting your backyard flock next spring... You're probably not thinking about that right now. Yeah, but you really need to be. If you go to some online hatcheries right now, uh, the soonest they can fill an order is March. Yeah, if you're planning on getting your chickens through an online hatchery, they work really far out. (laughs) So you do need to think right now about what kind of chickens you're going to want next spring if that's the direction you want to go. Therefore... For the main feature today, we're talking about seven tips for buying chickens through an online hatchery. All right, so number one is you want to make a list of the breeds that you're interested in. That's right. You know, sometimes people want to pick the hatchery first. You know, I'll pick where I'm going to get the birds and then I'll shop and I'll buy what's available. Mm -hmm. The problem with that is you might try and say, these are the ones that are available and these ones are left. So that's the breed I'm going to get. That's a way to end up with a backyard full of chickens that you don't really care for that much. Mm-hmm, absolutely. With so many chicken breeds out there to choose from, you really want to start by identifying what's the best breed or breeds. You might want to say, I want to pick two or three breeds for my backyard flock, but pick them before you identify the hatchery. And that way, you know what you're shopping for. All right. So number two is... Find the online hatchery that actually has the breeds you're interested in. Right. There are a lot of good hatcheries out there of all different sizes. Uh, Being big doesn't make you good or bad. 
being small, does it make it good or bad? Mm -hmm. uh, really, it's just about uh, your reputation. Right. About your customer service. Mm -hmm. Your care for the birds that you're raising. And most importantly, that you're pretty honest about what you're putting out there for sale. Now, when you are considering a hatchery, you don't want to go to their website and read their reviews because I don't know of many businesses that would actually put a bad review on their website. So you do want to use outside sources. And the thing with reviews is you have to take both positive and negative reviews with a grain of salt. Mm -hmm. It always cracks me up when you go on Amazon and you start looking at reviews. And sometimes when things have a small number of reviews, you start to get a whiff of something's going on here mm -hmm. because oh, we only have five reviews. They're all super uber positive and everybody's saying almost the exact same thing. Right. Kind of seems like it was written by their marketing team. <laughs> That's right. Like we have five email addresses, so we gave ourselves five reviews. <laughs> but, you know, you also want to read those negative reviews because sometimes, you know, it's not the fault of the hatchery that the person is dissatisfied. Right. You know, so if it says they've got... 2,500 positive reviews and 100 negative reviews, well, you know, read those too. See if they have any legitimacy to them. You know, these guys are a bunch of lying crooks. They said that this bird lays 300 eggs a year, but I checked and mine only laid 255. Yeah, I mean, some things get really ridiculous. I'm giving them one star because they're a bunch of liars. <laughs> you know, another place you want to check is the CDC website. Ah, uh, that's a good one. What I look for at the CDC is I want to look at the salmonella outbreak record. You know, they keep a list of all the salmonella outbreaks. Every time they list a salmonella outbreak and trace it back to baby chicks, guess what? They name the hatchery. Right. Now, what does it mean if the hatchery that you're looking at shows up on their list? Well, it depends. The first thing I want to ask myself is how long has it been since they've been on the list? And how often are they on the list? Salmonella outbreak is something that could potentially happen to just about any hatchery one time. Mm -hmm. <laughs> if it's something that happened seven years ago and they haven't had a case since, I'm not going to worry about that. Right. However, there is a hatchery that tends to show up almost yearly. <laughs> they just can't get their act together. You know, if I see that where it's like last year they had an outbreak, the year before that they had an outbreak, two years before that they had an outbreak, guess what? not going to be my first source for chickens. Absolutely. All right. So do you want to tell people the hatchery we've got our birds from? Yeah, I don't mind telling them. You know, we ordered both of our batches from Meyer Hatchery. Mm -hmm. It's not an endorsement of them. We're not saying that you should get them from Meyer. There's plenty of other good hatcheries as well. But we had good experiences both times. I had absolutely zero complaints. Mm -hmm. Right. Now, if you have never ordered from an online hatchery and you don't even know what the big names are, um, Don will be putting together, you know, a list of online hatcheries and put it in the show notes. Again, it's not an endorsement. It's just a place for you to start so that you can start doing your research. Yeah. If it shows up on the list, we're not saying it's a good hatchery or a bad hatchery. We're just saying it's a hatchery. <laughs> That's right. All right, for number three, you want to read and understand the hatchery's policies completely. If you think back to the first time anybody ever told you that it's even possible to have live chickens sent to you through the mail, mm -hmm. you're probably like, wow, that is really, really weird. That's right. <laughs> and it is, because it's not something that sort of sounds right. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the process that they go through to make that all work um, it's not something you're familiar with. 
That's right. It's not something I was familiar with. It's like when you go to do it, make sure you read and understand how they do everything. You know, they'll tell you this is how we do things and this is how our policies work. You want to understand that to avoid future disappointment. Right. Yeah. I mean, you could have this huge expectation, but if you read what they say, it kind of helps to almost temper that a little bit. So you have a realistic expectation of what to expect. You know, it's like my grandfather always used to say, you know, the key to happiness is have very low expectations. (laughs) And we're not saying quite that, but have realistic expectations. One of the big ones is understand the minimum order. And this is the most misunderstood policy, I think. Yeah, people jump right to the, oh, sure, I'm not allowed to buy less than 25 because that's how you make your money. Mm -hmm. Like, no, there's a very good reason that they have order minimums with baby chicks. And that's the fact that if they don't stay warm enough, they aren't going to arrive alive. By putting more birds together, they have a collective body heat. They keep each other warm enough to stay alive in the box. Now, it used to be you could not order less than 25 birds from an online hatchery. Right. Everybody had that number. Yeah, that was the minimum. Well, now when you look around, there are some hatcheries that will ship as little as three baby chicks. Yeah. So you say, okay, well, how is that even possible? Because, you know, three birds are not going to keep each other warm enough to stay alive. Mm -hmm. Well, the way they can do that is some of the hatcheries will throw a heat pack in there. Mm-hmm. So it really isn't the birds keeping each other warm anymore. Now they're throwing a really high quality, you know, I've never ordered one before, so I assume it's a chemical one, right. like a chemical reaction type of heat pack, but one that'll last for a couple of days. And that way you can put three birds in a box and they can stay warm enough. Mm-hmm. Now you may be saying, wow, that's great. I only wanted four or five birds, so I can do that and be totally happy. And I have to order 25. Yeah. Uh, surprise, surprise, it's going to cost you a lot of money. Yeah, them throwing that heat pack in there instead of just putting 25 birds, it's going to cost just about as much as ordering 25 birds. <laughs> That's right. Except instead of having 25 birds, you're going to have four birds and a heat pack. Mm-hmm. That's all used up. And I tell you, a heat pack does not lay many eggs, no matter how old it is. The first order of chicks we ordered from Meyer. I'm trying to remember, I think they're the ones that had the three bird minimum. And I think I wanted 10. Mm-hmm. I think I wanted 10 birds total, three different breeds, 10 birds. And I was just dumbfounded by the shipping. I can't remember what it was, but it was just huge. The shipping was as much as the birds cost. Right. And I said, that's just unreal to me. I can't believe that. And I don't know why, because I almost gave up at that point. I said, that's ridiculous. I'm not doing that. But For some reason, I added more in there, and then I looked again, and the shipping dropped through the floor. Like, I hit a number there somewhere, I think around 12 or 15. Mm -hmm. Somewhere in there was like an unspoken minimum. Right. And when I hit that number, they didn't do the heat pack anymore. They just said, okay, now you've got enough birds to keep each other warm. We don't need to do the heat pack. And the shipping was probably cut by, it was down to one-fifth of what it was. Mm -hmm. And it actually cost less to ship more birds than to ship less birds right. with a heat pack. Right. So you have this huge benefit of doing it that way because you end up with more chicks for the same or less of a price. Now, let's say you don't have five acres. Let's say you are in a residential area and it's like, listen, I'm limited to four birds. I can't have 25 or I can't have 15 even. 
Uh, I guess I'll just have to do the heat pack thing because I can't have 15 birds. The county will come in and shut me down. Right. Now, this is your opportunity to make a lot of friends. (laughs) And what I mean by that is... Give chickens for Christmas. (laughs) No. Find other people that are in the same situation as you are. If you are in a neighborhood or an area where you're only allowed a certain number, guess what? There are probably a lot of other like-minded people that want to order birds too that can't hit that minimum. Yeah, almost every area has like a local Facebook group for chicken keepers. Mm -hmm. You pop on there and you'll see ads every once in a while. It says, hey, I want to place an order with a certain hatchery. I need some people to go in with me to to meet the minimum. Right. You know, so you might have three or four people go in together to place an order to meet the minimum 25 birds or 15, whatever it is. And that way you're not stuck with a whole bunch of birds that you you can't have. Right. I love that idea because it also then you know, gives you a connection with other people that have birds and you guys can stay in touch and see how they're doing. Uh, You know, it can feel kind of lonely if you think you're the only chicken keeper out there and you're just doing it all on your own and you run up against a situation. Hey, now you got people you can call. And here's another option if you don't want to go that route is, you know, we have never, ever, ever, ever had trouble selling baby chicks. Mm -hmm. Now, like I said, If you had to go the heat pack route and order only four birds, you're paying as much as you would if you ordered 25. So you would break even if you ordered 25, raised them for a couple weeks, picked out the four you like the best and say, well, you know, these ones seem to be the the heftier ones. These ones are growing faster than the other ones. I'm going to keep these four. And then turn around and, you know, put an ad on Craigslist and sell the rest. Right. Uh, Even if you gave them away to other people who wanted to raise backyard chickens, you would break even. But I'm pretty sure you could sell them for three, four, five bucks a chick, and you could probably make up a little bit of that money, and now you're paying a lower rate. I love that idea. And you say, yeah, but I can't order 25 chicks because I'm only allowed to have four chickens. Right, you're allowed to have four chickens. A chick is not a chicken. That's right. If it's not out running around in your backyard and your neighbor can't count it, then don't worry about that part yet. Mm-hmm. That's right. You got a long time of raising them in the garage or the basement or in your house before they actually go outside. That's right. Now, one thing you do want to pay special attention to when you're looking at an online hatchery is their refund policy. And I think this is where I've seen the most confusion, the most negative comments on reviews is because people didn't understand this. Yeah. Basically, what's going to happen when you ordered 15 birds and only 12 of them are still standing when the box arrives. Mm-hmm. You know, are they going to give you the money back for those three? Maybe. Right. Maybe they'll send you out more birds. Maybe they say, hey, 12 out of 15 ain't bad. You lucked out. Right. But you want to know that ahead of time so that you're not disappointed or you're not upset. And, you know, you're not calling all angry. Again, having those realistic expectations and then knowing what to do if something happens that, you know is unfortunate, like you lose a couple birds. But another thing is, the hatcheries do employ the best chicken sexers on the planet, and they are really, really good at telling males from females. So you can order just females, but the problem is, really good means we get it right 90% of the time. Well, now you're thinking to yourself, 90%, that's huge. But let's say you ordered 20 birds, and you ordered all females. Well, guess what? Good chance you're going to have two males in there. That's right. Or more. 
and we experienced this with our orders. I'm trying to think. I know in the first batch, we did have one male. We had ordered all females. Mm -hmm. We did have one male in the first batch. And I think maybe in the second batch, we had one more male than we had ordered. Yeah. So, you know, again, it wasn't 100%. And, you know, if you order just 10 birds, good chance one of them is going to be a male. And most of their policies say, if it's 90% right, then it's right. Mm -hmm. So you don't get a refund on the ones that are males because they say, you know, well, it was in the 90%. We did what we said we'd do. Right. We have that right in our policy. So, you know, another benefit to reading uh, what they say. Okay, let's move on to the next one. Number four is look at all the add-ons that are available. You go to check out and you think you got everything all set. And next thing you know, they start asking you a bunch of questions. Do you want this vaccination? Do you want the pro gel? Do you want all this stuff? Here's the only two I'm interested in. If they do the Merrick's vaccine, which I believe most of them do, mm-hmm. I'll take that. Right. I mean, yeah. that is such a common chicken disease it's nice to start them out with the vaccine so you know they're going to have the best potential to be healthy. Yeah, and I think that cost maybe, I don't remember, but I think it was maybe a dollar or two for all 15 chickens. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't a big add-on. Now, we don't do the Merrick's vaccine for our own chickens that we hatch here. So I, if you decide to skip that one, I, I don't think you're giving your chickens a death sentence. No. But if it's available, I'll spring for that one. And then the other one I did is I they do the little pro gel and all that is is kind of like um uh you know runners have that gel food. Yeah. My sister does that. She runs marathons. Mm-hmm. So like all her food for like I don't know 10 weeks before a race <laughs> is just in gel form and during the race. I'm like that's really weird and disgusting. She's like, "Oh no, it's really good. You know, they got flavors." I'm like like beef stroganoff or <laughs> no, like you can have blueberry or cherry. That's right. <laughs> but, but- But basically, they have a gel nutrient that they'll squirt in the box. The chickens can arrive to your house just fine without it. But if they do have a little nutrients that they can pick at, and, you know, why not? It's just a a little more nutrients to get them started before they end up at my house. That's right. But again, you have to read the websites carefully sometimes and use intuition. Because I remember I was going to add ProGel to the last order. Mm -hmm. And I was reading the description and it said... Well, you need one pro gel for every four birds. Wow. So I'm like, geez, I got to add four of these? I don't remember doing that last time. And I called, thankfully, I called the guy. And he said, oh, no, you made a mistake. He says, there's one place you hit pro gel, and that means we squirt some pro gel in the box for the chickens to eat in transit. What you were doing was adding packages of pro gel that will sell you and we'll take packages and put them in the box, but the birds can't eat it. <laughs> when you get there, you can give it to them. You know, I was ordering tubes of pro gel. Yeah. I think I'm pretty web savvy, so I messed that one up pretty good. <laughs> Thankfully, you caught it and we were able to order correctly. Yeah. So you just want to read carefully what you're adding on and make sure it's like, am I, am I giving them pro gel to eat on the trip or am I ordering tubes of it that I'm going to have to give them when they get here? Mm-hmm. Make sure you kind of know what you're, what you're adding on there. Right, because that's a big difference. All right, what's next? All right, next is number five, which we suggest you talk to your local post office. You know, your chicks are going to arrive by the U.S. Postal Service, so you want to know how does that all work? Yeah, now the way ours handles it is whenever they have a chicken delivery, they just automatically hang on to the box at the post office, and 
On the outside of the box, the hatchery will put your name and your phone number. And our post office, when they get it, they hang on to it, and then they call you and say, we got your chicken delivery, why don't you come pick it up? But I know for a fact that there are some areas that they'll actually put it on the truck for delivery, and you say, oh, that's great, I don't have to drive to the post office. Well, I don't know about you, I don't want my birds bouncing around in the mail truck all day long. I like the idea of it staying at the post office and call me and I'll come get it. But don't take for granted that that's what your post office does. They all kind of handle things their own way. So when you place the order, give them a call. Tell them, hey, I just ordered a bunch of baby chicks. This is the first time I've ever done this. I'm really excited, but I'm confused. How does this work? Mm -hmm. Let them explain it to you. And, you know, if you want it delivered to your house and that's how they do it, you know, maybe you're okay with that. Maybe you say, you know what? Um, I know it's your thing to put it on the truck. Do you mind just hanging on to it and I'll come pick it up at the post office? And if you tell them that's what you want, I'm sure that's what they'll do. Now, I don't think you can just call the post office once and then it's a done deal. You know, it's not for sure that that same person you talked to on the phone is going to be working on the day that your chicks were delivered. Plus, keep in mind, if you order today, you're not getting those till March. So fat chance of them remembering the conversation from four months ago, even if you get the same person. Exactly. So that first phone call is really just for you. It's so you can understand how they handle the receiving and delivering of baby chicks. Yeah, what's their policy? Mm -hmm. Now, that second phone call I would make once you get the confirmation from the hatchery that your chicks are actually now being delivered. When you get the confirmation that, hey, we shipped your birds today, make another call to the post office. You want to tell them, hey, my birds are on the way and I would like a phone call and I want to come pick them up or whatever it is that you prefer. Give them your name and give them a couple phone numbers. You know, Don said that the hatchery puts your name and phone number on the outside of the box. But what happens if that gets rubbed off or it falls off or rips off? They got all these baby chicks there. And they have no idea what to do with them. Yeah. So always better to be safer than sorry. Give them your numbers and, you know, give them your contact information and your name. That's right. Because, you know what, baby chicks will last just fine in the mail for two or three days. But if there's any kind of mix up and all of a sudden that two or three days turns into four or five, mm. you might have a situation on your hands that you are not going to be happy with. Absolutely. And by the way, when we say call the post office... I don't mean call the national, you know, 1-800-YAY-MAIL or whatever their <laughs> phone number is. I don't even know what it is. You know, call your local post office, the building that your carrier leaves every morning with your mail and to drop it off at your house. You want your local post office. Sometimes that's hard to find that phone number, honestly. Or if you call the main number and you're trying to get someone that'll give you that number, just drive down there. Now, what do you think about just waiting for your postal carrier to drive by and then just like tail them all day back to the post office? Yeah, I don't know in this day and age if I would actually follow a government employee anywhere. <laughs> I could get in a lot of trouble. You think that'd look like stalking? Yeah, that and probably some other words that they could come up with. End up on a watch list? Uh-huh. Not be able to fly anywhere ever. Whoa, that sounds serious. <laughs> That's right. All right, now second to last is number six, B ready. That's right. I was never in the Boy Scouts, but if I know anything from watching TV, they're really big on this whole be prepared thing. Mm -hmm. You want to have your brooder set up, I don't know, maybe before you actually bring the chicks home. <laughs> so, <Not right. laughs> you know, figure out what you're going to use as a brooder, get your heat lamp set up. 
I don't know, make sure you have food ready for them to eat when they come in there. And we're being, you know, I'm kind of mocking a little bit, but that's only because we weren't prepared when we first got our chicks. Yeah, but you're going to the post office to pick up the chicks. Can't you just stop at the pet store on the way home? Now, that is what we did when we picked up ours from the local breeder. We're like, what time does a local tractor supply close? It's like, shoot, we got to be there in 20 minutes. And we're, you know, hauling butt down the street to get the tractor supply for some feed. Well, I tell you, another way to be ready is be ready for an early morning call. Oh, gosh. Because I didn't even know the post office worked when we got our call. Oh, yeah. Didn't they call you at like before six? Yeah, it was 10 minutes to six the first time. And the guy's like, hey, I got a box of baby chicks here for you. And I said, what time do you open? Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, well, just come to the side door. We're here all the time. We're here 24 hours a day. And we're in a little town. I'm like, you guys are there 24 hours a day? Yeah, it's amazing the things you learn. I'm like, you work there, right? <laughs> like the postmasters out of town and the postal workers are having a little party. That's right. So get ready for that early morning call and be ready to go early to pick up your chicks. I don't know if that's the way they all do it, but... That's what happened with us. Mm-hmm. All right. Now, last is number seven. And this one, I think, is one of the most important. Yes. If you follow one of these tips that we're giving you, follow this one, please. Mm-hmm. And this is even on the online hatcheries as a major tip. And that is, if you have children and you bring your nice little chirping box of baby chicks home and you set it on a table... Don't call your kids over when you look inside for the first time. And here is why. They might not have all made it. And how horrific would that be if you guys are all excited, you gather around the box and you open it up, and there's a couple dead baby chicks in there. Yeah, not the best start to the day. Mm-hmm. Not the best introduction to chicken keeping. Right. Uh, if you got to drive to the post office to pick them up, Check them in the post office parking lot mm-hmm. before you drive home and walk in the door and the kids are climbing up your leg. Oh, let me see. Let me see. Let me see. I want to open it. Yeah. And I think it was even on the last box we got, I thought it even said it on the outside of the box. You know, there was a warning label. Right. It was like, oh my goodness. All right. So there are seven tips for you. And if you follow those, I think you will have a much easier time in ordering your chickens from the online hatcheries. And like we said, if you want these for spring, you need to start thinking about it right now. That's right. Well, as always, thank you for listening. If you like the show, consider going over to iTunes and giving us a really, really nice rating over there. Also, make sure you tell a friend and get them listening. And if you want to see the show notes for this episode, go to onlinechickenschool.com slash the number 55. Well, that's all for today. Talk to you next time. You've been listening to the Online Chicken School podcast. Look for us on the web at onlinechickenschool.com.